0: Let's forget less. Yeah. Let's forget less.
1: Uh. This is Gods to Ghost Volleyball. I'm Scott Bemke, and this is our third and final part of our interview with the digger, Digger Graybill. Before we get started, I want to give credit to the musician that you heard at the beginning of the podcast today for the intro music, who happens to be Kevin Graybill. The song title is Let's Forget Less, and ironically enough, he just happens to be Digger's son. Super talented uh, musician, to put it mildly. His music's available on all the major streaming platforms, so if you enjoy it, make sure you check it out. Um... No surprise there, considering uh, kid comes from good stock. Let's get started with part three with the Digger. Digger, we're back for our third and final chapter in the Odyssey, otherwise known as Socrates, Digger Graybill.
0: <laughs> well, uh, the first two have been uh, fun for me, and uh, I'm sure we're going to have fun today as well.
1: Oh, yeah, you know it, pal. I'm no King Schofield, but I'll do my best.
0: <laughs> well, and uh, reflecting back on uh, kind of uh, part two, just a couple things I, uh, I want to clarify, just small things. Certainly. Like, uh, his- historical things. and. Uh, the match against Vokey and Wilt in the uh, Manhattan Beach Open in 73 or 74 um, actually it, I said before it was in we were in the losers bracket no but it was actually the first round game um, yeah. and so you know, once we saw it on the bracket my partner King Scofield said I'm, I'm going to call my mom <laughs> so she he calls his mom and the family comes down and uh, they're standing on the pier uh, you know watching it they're like 100 150 people because Wilt is is kind of famous so uh results were the same but uh you know so we actually not only be built and uh bogey but we actually won a match in the manhattan open so uh for y- young players that was fun
1: absolutely that's a great memory right there
0: yeah and then uh, to jump forward uh, to what i was talking before about uh, my experience at san diego state playing volleyball there and i played in 71 uh, and 72 and um in, in 1972, I played on the NC2A All Stars uh, that I had talked about, and uh, that came out of uh, our competition in the national championship uh, back at Ball State. And uh, so that NC2A All Star team, we played in Salt Lake City, and um, we ended up getting fifth. And the team that won it was actually Chart House, and I mentioned before that you know Duncan McFarland played on uh, Chart House team. It was kind of the de facto national team uh the chart house came forward and was funding them to travel around the nation and play in tournaments and uh, and they beat uh, a santa barbara team a santa barbara volleyball volleyball club and i'm sure uh, some of the ucsb uh, players uh, played on, on that team as well
1: yeah, they had that stacked team with all well, like Redden and Hanseth and Mike Moss and yeah, um, yeah, yeah, John Roberts, yeah. Groot. Yeah, that was a pretty talented college team right there.
0: Yes, yes. And then uh, just one more thing. Um, I happened to <clears throat> look at a photo after doing the part two of the San Diego State 1973 national championship team that I did not play on, as I said before, because I decided to go get my teaching credential and not play that fifth year and um just looking at that team and i'm looking at at them right now you know i played with all of those people except two or three so you know there's randy stevenson of course and steve jensen and chris marlowe and milo beacons and wayne gracie and uh, Randy Geyer and Craig Beery and uh, Duncan McFarland played uh, on the '73 team, so he didn't play on '72. He was playing with Chart House and heading towards uh, the Nationals. So uh, and so, there's some players that were uh, not on that '73 team, like me, Pat McDougal and Steve Foster and Wayne Yamamoto. And so, I just want to give shout-outs uh, to those guys because I have fond memories of. Uh, of playing with them in the 72
1: season so yeah well and they won the net in national championship in 73 didn't they um,
0: yes yes
1: and i wasn't Duncan mcfarlane the um mvp i've always I, i've always heard he was really talented i i really don't know too much about his game do you want to quickly give an overview on what you remember what made him a special player
0: well, um, he, just early on in Manhattan Beach, uh, you know, he went to our same junior high school that uh, John Featherstone went to, too, Center Street uh, Junior High, and uh, he was just starting to play volleyball at that time, and he lived uh, right down t- close to the beach, and his dad played played a lot, so he got into volleyball early and was playing on on, on uh, USBBA teams with uh, people who were four or five years older than him, sure. and Uh, I think I mentioned before that he was one of the first uh, triple A's when he was 18 years old. He and Mike Carey got got second in the Hermosa Open. And he's one of those guys, I mean, if if he really decided, uh, to play full time on the beach. I mean, he could have been a phenomenal player and, and won tons of tournaments. Uh, I mean, he was a great hitter, great fundamentals, uh, but he was really a phenomenal player on the beach and indoors. Um, and that's where he was playing with, uh, the chart house. And, you know, that was in essence, the national team. And they, know, almost qualified uh, for uh, the Olympics, but uh, they came up a little bit short. I think I told you about that before in uh, in Cuba. So, yeah, phenomenal player. Yeah, he was the the MVP. uh, uh, Randy Stevenson was on the all-tournament team both in 72, my year, and 73. Wayne Gracie was in the all-tournament team uh, uh, in 73. And so, you know, excellent players, excellent players, good people all the way around.
1: Is there anything else that you want to yeah. backtrack on yeah, here me, before we get let, to your illustrious teaching? Let me just uh, swing through.
0: back a little bit more also. Just one quick thing about the Winston Open. That was in 74. Then after that, a, uh, a great restaurant in Cardiff-by-the-Sea uh, started sponsoring it. They called it the Triton Open, and that was like 75 to 78. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Dave Olson and his wife Sue Olson were instrumental, as were uh, Jay and Lou Martin, and they were closely involved with the, the Triton uh restaurant uh that's uh, defunct now but it was right on the water in uh in cardiff by the sea great place you know kind of right next door to where the chart house was in cardiff oh nice yeah so uh you know and as i said before uh i had to get on with my teaching career uh because i didn't play that last year because i needed to go and get a california a teaching certificate, and at that time, you had to go a full year, full time, and so I decided to dedicate myself to that, and I was still playing, you know, some on the beach, and I'll touch on that, you know, a little bit as we go through, but I uh, got my teaching credential in January of 73, and mm-hmm. uh, I started doing substitute teaching, and next thing you know, I got a got a job at a junior high school uh, teaching Uh, special ed kids and I was still playing in double a tournaments and some open tournaments as as well but at the end of my first teaching year I decided okay I can go full-time on the beach or I want to see the world a little bit so I had a friend of mine his name was Bill Fisher he he came out of Manhattan Beach and he played uh, basketball at uh Maricosta, and he was going to San Diego State when I was down there, so we kind of were buddies uh, while we were still in college. But after college, he decided to join the Peace Corps. So he was down in Costa Rica, so he said, Hey, come on down. You know, i got a place to stay, and it's cool down here, and uh, tropical forests and beautiful beaches and everything else. So I decided to uh, do that. I did it the summer of seventy-five. I liked it so much, came back in the summer of 76, and in 77, I did the same thing. So that was a six-week chunk right in the middle of the summer, and that obviously slowed down my beach volleyball uh, playing. But it was time well spent, and I loved it. It was, it was you know a great experience. And uh, after that first year, that junior high, I uh, applied for a job at Hoover High School. Uh, it's the second oldest high school in San Diego, it is the home of Ted Williams of baseball fame. I had a chance to go and teach there. It, it, it had some challenges, uh, but nevertheless, it was a place that was fun to teach. And I got there and they posted the uh, job offering in the San Diego City Schools um, uh, newsletter, so to speak. And so I applied for the job. It said, teaching English and coaching football. And as I told told you before, uh, I came from a football family uh, oh, wow. and I played five years of Pop Warner football starting in the fourth grade and then I played four years of high school football. So that was nine years of football from a football family. So could I coach football? I thought, sure, I can do that uh, because I wanted to be at the high school level uh, and I wanted to teach English because I was at a junior high doing skill and not doing any coaching so i took the job and so uh i coached football and then also they said hey how about how about jb boys basketball you want to coach that (laughs) I i said sure i didn't play basketball but it's one of those things that uh people tell me because i got into three on three and you know i could actually play pretty well in fact uh one time if you remember paul Westphal went to our school and when he was coaching right uh, in, in phoenix uh we had moved to walla Walla, and my son was pursuing basketball and so he was really interested in that And so i hadn't seen paul for a long time uh you know pretty much since our high school days but i decided i'm going to call him up and i i, I, I called his office uh phoenix suns and i said uh, hey is paul there this is digger uh he says well i mean give us your number and he'll call you back i thought oh yeah sure okay <laughs> but sure enough later that day he calls back and he goes D-, first thing he says he goes digger you should have played basketball.
1: You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> that
0: was kind of fun to hear. So I, I've always loved basketball um, and uh, actually got to the point, you know, I could play, play uh, pretty well. So uh, anyway, so I coached boys JV basketball. And that was a turning point uh, in my life because the head coach was a man named Hal Mitrovich. And he had been there for years, mm-hmm. and he uh, is actually in the San Diego Hall of Champions uh, there in Balboa Park because of his uh, excellence uh, in coaching. And um, I, they had varsity and they had JV basketball. I coached the boys at JV basketball, and uh, a real benefit of that is all every varsity game. I would sit on the bench and kind of be Hal's assistant coach. And here I am, you know, my first year of coaching basketball. I like basketball. I can play two on three, but, you know, I'm not thinking (laughs) that I know that much about basketball. (laughs) I'm coaching the kids. I'm doing the best I can. You
1: weren't running the triangle yet. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And and so uh, it was really a blessing because he was the kind of coach I remember now. We go into the locker room at halftime. And he's very kind of meticulous. He has things up on the board about things that were great, you know, pre game, you know, talk. And then he has other information uh, up there for halftime. He comes there and he goes through that. And he looks over to me and goes, Coach Graybill, what do you think? i'm going yeah whatever you said hal i'm with you guys so but he he was the kind of guy he was humble enough and realized that it's not all about him and it turns out for years he helped run the john wooden basketball camps up at ucla um and you know he was on the uh christmas card list from uh, coach wooden and so so much of what we did was based on wooden not just the x's and o's but about you know being a good person one of the things that hal would always say is it is far more important for us to be good people than to be good basketball players and that just kind of ran through his entire program he was just a class class guy Um, anybody in san diego uh, basketball uh, that would know of him, and I wouldn't be be surprised if uh, Bill Walton, uh, who played at Helix, I competed against uh, Hal, um, and I'm sure uh, you know the name Hal Mitrovic. Uh, he would know about Hal Mitrovic as right. well. So, the, so that was really a great experience uh, to be able to do that from 75 to 79, and then the best part of those years was in. May of 1978 I was living with Fred Featherstone and a man named Mark Laney who was an excellent double A player in La Jolla and I went to a basketball camp excuse me not a camp a clinic uh, put on by Hal uh, uh, not put on but uh, Hal Mitrovich uh, and I went to this clinic and the keynote speaker was Hubie Brown. If you follow basketball, you yeah. know Hubie Brown. And he came in late because the plane got in late and he got to, goes to the microphone and he's effing this and, and damning this and everything else. And anyway, it was, it was an amazing uh, basketball uh, talk in the clinic that I went to. So I didn't get home on Saturday night until about seven or eight. And it happened to be, it was May 5th, 1978. Fred Featherstone and John Featherstone were having a party for uh, them because their birthday, I, I think they're both born on the same day. Either they're both born on the 3rd or, um, or the 5th. And so they're having a party there and there's guys there and there's ladies. So I walk in there and walk into the kitchen and I see this striking woman. And she's kind of batting off all my friends because you know she was probably one of two or three women there and ten different guys uh, <laughs> and so, and so so i go I go in there we meet eyes and we've been together ever since.
1: Wow and,
0: and she came to La Jolla from Arizona. she was living in Tucson. she came out with some friends. And then went to the beach uh, in La Jolla just by herself because her friends were all off uh, doing other things. And she was parking her car, and Fred Featherstone saw her and kind of chatted her up a little bit and uh, told her about a party. And in those days, it's like, oh, okay, some handsome guy invited me to a party, I'll go. And so she ends up going, and we meet, and we've been together ever since. So that was a this, very special. This. And so Fred gets a little credit of introducing me to my wife. And
1: I, I being been what I little I've gotten to know of him, he's not shy. So I'm sure he's not no. shy about <laughs> reminding you guys no. No. either.
0: <laughs> and he's always been, you know, like uh, Brother John. I mean, they're you know uh, bronze goddesses that are in great shape, and uh, goddesses, gods, uh, yeah. and uh, so they. Uh, you know our handsome guys and yeah so uh it, it worked out great you know so great for me i came in at the right time <clears throat>
1: love so, at first sight love at first sting how, yeah, how bigger
0: yeah i say it's, it's kind of like you know two stars uh pat you know come together in the night and uh and we met uh just kind of randomly but as deepak chopra would say is that there are no coincidences there are no coincidences in this world. <laughs> the universe takes care of you. So, I'm a believer in that, and that, that was a good deal. So, um, in summary, here: so 75 to 79, I'm I'm coaching football and boys JV basketball, and then at that time, uh, colleagues like Fred Featherstone, he's getting in, into uh, coaching women and uh, and guys also. And so, I kind of said to myself, maybe it's time to move move forward uh and maybe focusing on some volleyball okay so in 1980 i became the girls volleyball coach at uh hoover high school and i'm going to give you a little bit of textual i mean historical reference here to volleyball because title nine equal opportunities for women and girls to be involved in sports and other activities started in 1972 so hoover had a volleyball team and the woman coaching it uh was a very nice woman but but she'd be the first one to say compared to my experience of volleyball, didn't have you know the same quality of experience so the vice principal um, decided that guess what you aren't coaching the team anymore digger's going to be coaching the team now so It was kind of a heavy-handed thing, but uh, that's where I got into coaching volleyball in 1980. So here I am. Yeah, I know volleyball, but uh, I've got a varsity team and i got a JV team, and there's nobody on campus as a teacher who can coach uh, my JV team. So what am I going to do? Well, (laughs) I got creative, and what I did is I went down to Ocean Beach, and Mission Beach and Pacific Beach. And I made up these handwritten index cards and I got tape and I went to all the volleyball poles, <laughs> and I said, looking for experienced volleyball coach, call Digger, <laughs> this number. <laughs> uh, and sure enough, Todd Maddox calls me. One of his friends said, hey, Todd, I saw this uh, this this posted note, dear guy. In volleyball coach, what do you think? And he called me, and he came and coached my volleyball team. Now, those in the volleyball world, especially uh, girls and women's uh, volleyball, uh, know that Todd went on to, to you know major greatness as a coach. He he does uh, he works with the art of coaching, and he's done lots of videos with Leskevich and other people, and um, so he's been quite. Uh, successful after starting on my JV team and we collaborated a lot and I shared drills with them and he shared drills with me and and so um, and he went on to to, to win multiple uh, CIF divisional championships in San Diego he's still coaching at Bishop School in La Jolla um, and I think he won like six CIF championships um, so he coached in uh, that first year 1980 and then Uh, 1981 um, I had another coach come in and her name was Patsy Malta and she coached my JV for a year and those in the San Diego area know that Patsy Malta coached uh, the boys team the Mount Carmel I think it is Mount Carmel and she's won five different CIF championships so look at the coaches that uh, that I pass all this wisdom on to in two months (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'm <I've been> coaching
0: <laughs> at Hoover. But uh, those are the kind of people that helped me start and, and get uh, uh, the Hoover volleyball go, uh, going. So uh, the second year, 1991, with girls like Avis Reinecke and Annabelle Bermudis and the uh, Prisbee girls. (laughs) Uh, It's amazing that I still remember those kids, but it was a special time. We actually qualified for the CIF playoffs that they had never qualified before uh, for, so.
1: That's pretty neat. that,
0: That was a fun start.
1: Yeah, uh, Todd doesn't he? Isn't he in charge of the coast volleyball down there in San Diego too, as well the volleyball club, I believe. Well, uh, he's
0: not in charge of it, but you would think so because uh, he's there quite often and doing clinics and helping out. and mm-hmm. He's got uh, you know a, a lot of his upcoming girls, both in the middle school ages and on, the play club volleyball. Uh, he, he's quite involved, and you know, he and I have had a great relationship over the years because when I moved to UCSD that I'll talk about a little bit later, Mm -hmm. Um, he he came and I said, Todd, can you be my assistant coach? And so he did that (laughs) for a year as well. Um, He has, uh, you know, really gone on to, you know, great successes because of what he knows and and. We've had a, had a great relationship over the years, you know, uh, kind of getting out of chronological order, but it's okay. Uh, when I moved up to Walla Walla, and I started coaching the girls' team at Walla Walla High School. He and I would, every fall, have multiple phone calls that I would ask about his team and he would ask about my team. And it was really, you know, a fun experience. So I was, you know, introducing him to coaching uh, early on. Uh, at Hooper High School. And then when I'm up, up here in Walla Walla, all of a sudden, he's helping me, you know, so <laughs> it, it, was, it was a great relationship. He turned me on to lots of things. As I made the tr- transition from doing single kind of drills, you know, you're a coach, and you hit, hit balls at girls and you have them big balls, and you know, that, that's fine. And so you do individual drills. Well, he really helped n- nudge me, which wasn't hard to go to three contact drills. You know, if you have two hours, these kids need three contacts, not just one contact. Right. Last time I checked, the game is three contacts. So stuff like that, uh, you know, inspired me to, you know, think differently about stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I think when I had the chance to speak with him, yeah, he speaks very fondly of you. And um, he, the more I've gotten to know about him, he's basically just uh, a dopplinger of, of Digger, you know. He was an English teacher, <laughs> a volleyball coach, and you know, just loves the game and paying it forward and really articulate and well-spoken. It's kind of yeah. neat. You guys are, like, looking in the mirror images of each other. <laughs>
0: well, and, and and he also helped me coach the boys' uh, uh, JV basketball team when I was at Hoover as well. So uh, he started out doing volleyball, then he, he was come kind of help me with basketball, which meant also that he got to sit on the bench with Hal, Hal Mitrovich. And to this day, he's got fond memories of Hal. Uh, Hal passed away about uh, five or six years ago or so, uh, and I went down and uh, gave a talk, and Todd was there, and everybody who knew Al Mitrovich packed the gym because of his influence. And so all those things have kind of spilled into who we have become as coaches as as we move through this uh, exciting life. Good stuff. Yeah. I coached there for two years, 1980 and 81, and then I thought, hmm, that was kind of fun. But there was a job open at Grossmont College, a junior college uh, in La Mesa area, I think and so i applied for that and i got that job and i coached their two years 82 and 83 and in 83 uh we were fortunate enough to qualify for the state tournament and i, I co- worked with a guy named bob haywood and, and it's kind of interesting how over our lives we pick up things from people that stay with us and uh, bob haywood was a really interesting guy and was really supportive he said i'm just going to be a manager digger i'm going to let you come in uh, I'll, I'll let you coach everything. I mean, he was a guy in the PE department who was assigned the women's volleyball team, but he knew that he didn't know very much about coaching, so he called me in. He would just say interesting things like, "Okay, uh, I'm going to give you the combination here to this uh, this sub- supply room here. That's just in case I get hit by a switch train." <laughs> <laughs> It's for some reason uh, that stayed with me to this day. I'll say it to my wife also. Well, you know, in case I get hit by a Swiss train, I'm not sure what a Swiss train is, but uh, anyway, uh, fond memories of Bob Haywood uh, at Grossmont College. So I so I did that for a couple years, and um, that that was a you know a fun experience. And during the time from '80 to like when I left '83. And even before that, I started working the Al, Sk- Al Skates summer volleyball camps that he would have in Southern California, where I met guys like Kent Scanlon and uh, Brian Gimilaro and uh, various people and worked with Al. And Al would always bring so many of his players who were playing at that time Uh, Steve Sammons and uh, uh, you know various people so that was a fun experience and kind of just opening up my my coaching perspective uh, as well so that was a an experience that uh, helped me uh, move along as well and uh, I want to emphasize again the following and that is kind of a historical context of my life with volleyball and that is that the men with volleyball started in N C two A volleyball, had their first championship in nineteen seventy. I played in seventy one and seventy two, so I was playing in the third N C two A men's championship. Women didn't start until nineteen eighty one for their N C two A championship. So and Title Nine started in nineteen seventy two. So I look at my love of volleyball uh, was supported by Title IX in '72, the growth of men's volleyball and then the growth of women's volleyball. So by the time I was at Grossmont in '82, uh, then we had NC2A women's volleyball, which means more funding, more opportunities for coaching, and um, so I was sort of, if you will, riding that wave, un- unbeknownst to me, you I know, just. It's only upon reflection when I look back now that I think I kind of at the right time caught that wave of people being interested in volleyball. Primarily women's took off because of Title Nine and uh you know, some cynical uh, men could say, yeah, well, they're getting all the money. You know, why, why are they <laughs> getting the money? Well, there's reasons why. <laughs> um, and so so it turned out, turned out to be really a fun time for me to kind of ride that wave. So I stayed uh, there until 83. And then the job at University of California, San Diego, UCSD, the men's job opened up. Doug Danovic was coaching both the women and the, uh, the men at UC San Diego okay. it was at, at that time a division three NC2A program which basically means no scholarships um, and so but they still had a, a competitive uh, team even as a division three so I applied for the job uh, and I got it so I started so I went over there now while I'm doing all this I'm still at Hoover High School still teaching English still teaching American Literature scarlet letter huckleberry finn henry david thoreau still doing that full-time and then at the same time that i'm doing that full-time i move over to grossmont so i'm leaving hoover not doing any coaching at hoover in 82 and 83 and i'm going over and coaching the women at grossmont college Um, and then after i leave grossmont i go to ucsd and do the same thing and so for uh, seven years there i was the men's volleyball coach at uc san diego We had, um, uh, after I met uh, my wife in 78, we got married in 80. Uh, We had our first child in 81 and second child in 86. And uh, we were living in Cardiff-by-the-Sea, which is in North County, San Diego. So I am, if you can envision this, getting up at 5.30 in the morning, driving all the way down to Hoover High School on 8.05, and it takes about a half hour to drive in the morning it usually wasn't bad because i'm going pretty early but coming back sometimes you could get in a, in a snarl there uh, but i would go to hoover and then drive out to ucsd do practices our matches were all in southern california there wasn't any other team that we would play except san diego state mm-hmm. uh, in san diego so it really worked out that for those years, I am working 18 hours a day, driving freeways, going around, trying to be a father, okay? uh, trying to be a husband, trying to do all these things. And it was fun to do because of the contacts that I had. We played against, we were division three. We had no conference. Who did we play? Hey, Al. Talk talking talk to you. you. Want to come down and play? Sure. So we played UCLA. We played SC. We played Pepperdine, Stanford, UC Santa Barbara, San Diego State, Penn State. Came out one time, um, and we would. Uh, consistently not win matches uh, occasionally we get close to maybe win a game or so when they kind of put in their second string but it was really a rare experience for me because I, I became on first name basis with al of course and marv dunphy and ken preston and jack hen of course my you know my former coach um and it was really a, a rich experience for me and it turned out in 1986 um, I was recommended to and I got selected to be an assistant coach with Al Skates on the 1986 Olympic Festival being held in Houston so that was another rare experience Okay, he uh, wanted the,
1: the digger uh, from in the, from the San Diego Tritons on, on his side, he didn't want him on the other side of the court right? <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> well and you know, for people who can remember that, that era, we had Allen Allen and Trevor Sherman, you know, some other people that were, that were really good as well um, so you know that was a fun experience to coach with Al and Al was kind of in the transition between usually running a 6-2 to kind of maybe looking at a uh, more, more of a 5-1 so he had questions that I, w- I was running a 5-1 so it was, it was nice to share with him and, and hear a different perspective but we play other teams too that were Division 3 Laverne, UC Santa Cruz Banana Slugs, uh, <laughs> Santa Clara uh, Loyola, Marymount, St. Mary's it's it's kind of in, uh it's kind of interesting because when I'm watching college basketball now with uh, the Gonzaga uh, Bulldogs and I see them go play Pepperdine, yeah, I often played in that gym, Poly Pavilion, yes, USC, yes. Yeah, so you no, know, I was uh, involved there. So that so that was a a fun experience uh, that enriched my volleyball experience as well.
1: I'd say. That's the who's who that you were just talking about right there.
0: You know, they were all all very supportive. But it got to the point, as I outlined to you, 18 hours a day. I My wife and I stopped uh, in the spring of 91 and kind of said, so we're living in Cardiff by the sea. How many days a year do we go down to the beach?
1: <laughs> Maniacal
0: coach digger. <laughs> Well, probably 15, maybe 18 days, and so I finally realized. And my wife, uh, who grew up in Cleveland and came from Tucson, and had a different background. Just loved me, and I loved her, and so we made made a great pair. But she kind of <laughs> took me by the shoulders one day and said, "Hey, <laughs> we can move someplace with our kids because we're living in an 850 square foot." two-bedroom, one-bath condominium in Cardiff-by-the-Sea. That's just not going to work. You know, we need to move someplace that we could own bigger property. And at that time, my wife and I didn't come for money. So, I mean, to to move somewhere in San Diego, unless we wanted to move way inland, which wasn't very attractive to us. So we were thinking about maybe going to the Southwest or or somewhere. And then my older brother uh, had moved to Walla Walla out of Orange County, uh, California. Uh, some years before and took his family up to Walla Walla and I had never visited him because who wants to go, to go to Walla Walla? <laughs> right, on, okay? just the name
1: alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> Digger and Walla Walla. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So,
0: so I was giving him the annual phone call to kind of say, oh yeah, well we're not going to make it this year. And he said, well, I knew that. But I just want to tell you at our high school in Walla Walla, one high school, two middle schools, six elementaries, Okay, and Plus, there's a Catholic school in town. Um, there's a job opening, Digger. It's uh, teaching English and coaching the volleyball team.
1: A match made and in so, heaven.
0: Yeah. I look at my wife, and she says, go check it out. So I flew up here, had an interview for the English position. After the interview, I got in contact with a realtor that my brother knew. And he took me around, and I put money down on a house. Now,
1: little I difference in, in uh, the, the cost technology. of living. Uh,
0: I was fairly confident because I talked to the athletic director, too, and and so uh, he, he was impressed with my volleyball experience. So uh, just like that, I put money down on the house because I knew the kind of house my wife loves, and we're still in it. Uh, we love the house as well. So uh, that, that that took us up to, uh, up to uh, Walla Walla, and that's where I, for 13 years, taught English and literature and coached the girls' volleyball team. And I started to run a a tournament because my philosophy was, if I want my girls, my players, to become excellent players, they need to know what good playing and players looks like. So I want to run a tournament and bring in really good teams so they can kind of get the fever and see, oh, this is what top-level high school volleyball is. So when I was at UCSD, we were sponsored by Tiger. When I came to Walla Walla, I wanted to run a tournament, so I called up, I think her name was Barbara Boscovich, uh, and said, hey, Barbara, will you sponsor this tournament I'm gonna run? I'm gonna call it the Northwest Volleyball Tournament. I'm gonna invite 16 teams including us from around the northwest and I'll even invite some california teams uh and will you give t-shirts and and shoes to the winning team and everything yes and then also <laughs> in good contact with john hastings uh you know who runs a volleyball magazine it was uh, it was called volleyball monthly originally uh and i said john uh, i know you have a, a team of the month uh can our winning team get team of the month uh and i'll send you a photo he said yes so that was the start of the Northwest Volleyball Tournament. Um, and it turned out that, of course, Todd Maddox, in 1994, he was coaching at Monte Vista High School in San Diego. He brought his team up, okay? Uh, and then also in the late 90s, he brought up uh, his team as well. So we were getting top teams. And in fact, you know, I taught for 13 years, teaching and coaching, and then last two years in the school district i moved to director of teaching and learning in the central office i did that for a couple years and uh so i had to stop coaching but i still had uh, arranged for the tournament to go on in 2004 so that was the last year of the tournament but that year newport harbour and john glenn came up to our tournament Anybody who knows Southern California High School Volleyball knows Newport Harbor. I think that's where Misty May played, Uh, if I'm not wrong uh, or right. Uh, And uh, John Glenn, uh, again, one of those legendary coaches for boys uh, and girls. So uh, Uh my tournament finally got to the point where we were drawing the best team, not just in the Northwest, but throughout the Pacific Coast. So that was a fun experience.
1: I, what year were you, were you featured in uh, that team of the month in Volleyball Monthly, do you remember, or Volleyball Magazine?
0: Yeah, yeah well, it was because uh, we started the tournament, I think, in about 19. It's interesting because some of those t-shirts I still have and
1: I still wear on, on my bike rides and stuff. Uh, <laughs> With the, your uh, Winston Open shorts. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. So uh, Stockton. That
0: must have been probably 95. 95, 96, 97. Yeah, I have all
1: my old volleyball monthly. so now I'm going to go thumb through it yeah. and find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Oh,
0: that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> I would, you know, send me a, a, a copy of uh, or the picture of the team, that'd be
1: fun. I sure will.
0: Yeah, I worked in the central office, and anybody in education will, will understand when I say this, and I did it for two years until the central office became too toxic. And so I decided, I don't need this. You know, we care about kids and I'm kind of getting backstabbed by different people here. I don't need this. Because in nineteen ninety-five, like fourth year in Walla Walla, I started a business. It's called Socratic Seminars International, promoting a strategy called Socratic Seminars. And I grew that business and it got to the point that in when I left the school district in two thousand and six uh, with my wife's permission, you're going to do what? You're going to quit your job? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're, going to do, you're going to be doing workshops uh, for for teachers? And I said, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and so we made it happen. And after a couple of years or so, I went back to the superintendent, uh, who knew the reason why I left the school district. And he, he's a big golfer. And I was able to tell him, I, I, I said, uh, Rich, I just want to tell you that, you know, I went off on my own here. And I'm making more money than you and playing more golf.
1: (laughs) Double whammy.
0: He said, no, I I knew how much he was making. I knew how much I was making. Yes, Rich, that's true. Uh, So sort sort of a, I don't need to be in a toxic environment. I can go off uh, by myself. So I still run that business. And uh, at its peak, uh, pre-COVID, we do as many as uh, 35 different workshops around the nation, advertising to you know, teachers in uh, uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, for example, that are running a, uh, a workshop uh, at this hotel on this day, come and sign up, and people would sign up, and so quite successful. And now I'm, I'm sort of semi-retired. Uh, last year I, I did 14 different workshops, and that's what I'm telling myself now. If I can just kind of do one a month, that'll keep my brain active and uh, make a little dough as well, and mo- most importantly, share a powerful strategy uh with K-12 teachers.
1: Yeah, that's some neat stuff. And don't you uh, utilize some of uh, the rabbit Dennis Hare's abstract art for one of your, for those workshops, for the presentations? Yes, Mm -hmm.
0: yes. Uh, I mean, simply, Socratic seminars are getting kids in a circle, get the chairs in a circle, Mm -hmm. give them a provocative reading. It can range from Pledge of Allegiance to Declaration of Independence to a video or a painting. And so I model for my teachers, how you can take a painting. I use one of Dennis's paintings uh, as uh, the text for our seminar. And then we go on and teach them how to, you know, choose their texts and lead seminars and and all those kinds of things. So it's been fun to, Use Dennis's work because it's an authentic example of a great piece of work, uh, as well as how you can use art to get kids into conversations where they look closely and they think uh, deeply about a piece in front of them.
1: Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I believe uh, Dennis's wife, Barbara, told me that Dennis's mom used to say uh, Dennis was like a deep river spiritually. So that's kind of yeah. neat how that it all works out. <laughs>
0: yeah. The yeah. rabbit's yeah, art
1: sir. is helping out Digger with his uh, Socratic seminars. That's some good stuff.
0: So that's what, uh, what I'm doing now, and uh, you know the the kids that I'll, I'll talk about here shortly are are grown and successful, and uh, my wife and I are still in Walla Walla because really our motivation, a big thing, was not the weather in Walla Walla. I've gotten used to four seasons, uh, as you know, in your neck of the woods as well. Uh, so the, there's there's some real benefits to that and some fun aspects, uh, but we didn't move up here for that. We moved up here for our kids so that they could be in an environment uh, that is. Uh, more conducive. And then also I didn't have to work 18 hours a day and drive all over San Diego and not see my kids as much. And whereas we moved to Walla Walla and and my daughter, Erin, who I'll talk about here shortly, uh, you know, she's in my American literature class. She's on my (laughs) volleyball team. That would have never happened if I am teaching at Hoover and she's going to school in north county san diego so it was really a great environment same with my son my son was in my class uh as well as he played on the basketball team and his team was uh you know real successful they went to the state tournament two years in a row and uh so and he's still close with the with all those people who were on on his uh, basketball team so real pluses in moving uh to walla walla
1: yeah quality of life and um that's a big deal especially with a family to have a, a bigger home in a yard and um you know not yes. be in traffic all day long and, and yeah, uh, cost yeah well, living.
0: well we moved from the 800 square foot condominium to a, a two-story home on a quarter acre uh you know 3,000 foot uh, square uh you know footage uh, you know in the home and so it was just like kind of like a no-brainer and also for Tens of thousands of dollars less
1: of what we finally
0: sold our condo in San Diego. We come up here and you know buy twenty plus years ago uh, a beautiful house for like ninety one thousand. You know it's like uh, there's nothing wrong with this picture.
1: No, no. Well, you got to worry about Bigfoot. You know that's about it. You yeah, don't want to hit yeah. him with your car. It's, it's, so, so let me be the
0: uh, a bragging dad here and talk to you about my kids and my wife, and then uh, I would love to share it with you because I, I put some thought towards it. Okay, who were the best hitters and setters and diggers uh, in my era? So, um, but for, first of all, I want to talk about uh, uh, my wife, April. Uh, again, you know, a non-volleyball background, but but uh, when she was in San Diego, she was a fitness instructor at the Encinitas YMCA. Uh, for the years that we were there, um, and when she left, um, I joke uh, the same. You know, they, they all put on all of the people who attended her class kind of put on black armbands <laughs> <laughs> because they were so disappointed to to have her leave because she just ran a f- phenomenal class. And uh, uh, it's called Firm and Fit. It's not aerobics. It's not jazzercise. It's more. Exercises, crunches, squats, these kinds of things, without weights, uh, all, all lined up with uh, you know cutting-edge music, uh, and so it was a great experience. And of course, she comes to Walla Walla. She goes to YMCA at Walla Walla and ends up doing the same thing. So she really rocked the world. And she got into being a, a teacher's assistant uh, in our in our classes here, and was a. Uh, dealt with uh, kids uh, that were in the autism room mm-hmm. so she's quite uh, familiar with autism and all those challenges and uh, uh, you know and then also when, when she first came to town she would go to my volleyball team and after practice we would go through her class you know <laughs> so uh, we enjoyed that I'm not sure the players totally enjoyed it because they're tired at the end but uh, but they did enjoy it because you know here's a vibrant uh, woman uh, leading them in uh, challenging exercises
1: Good stuff. And her name is April, but you met her in May. Go figure. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There you go. Right.
0: Um, And then uh, one thing about Walla Walla that maybe people know or have heard about, uh, Drew Bledsoe of Patriots fame and NFL fame um, was a graduate of Walla Walla High School in 1989. Uh, That that was kind of the couple years before we got here. But he grew up at the YMCA. And My wife, April, worked at the YMCA, so my my kids spent lots of time at the YMCA as well. So, and then uh, my son, Kevin, he's uh, 35. He's a singer-songwriter. I'm pretty sure you had a chance to listen to uh, some of his music in the introduction of of today's piece. So he is uh, really, we're quite proud of him. We really enjoy his his music. His music's a lot like... uh, Jack Johnson's kind of sound, you know, kind of a mellow, groovy uh, kind of sound. And if people are interested, I'm <laughs> this is my life. I'm not his manager. I just act like it sometimes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's on all the Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, and all the streaming services. If you just type in Graybill, it'll come up and you can listen to his music. And if you really want to go on the deep dive, you can go to his website, graybillmusic.com. Um, but he is uh continues he lives in san luis obispo and he, he travels around uh doing all the wineries uh, up there because uh the coast uh, up to big sur so so he, he's having a fun time doing that and then his older sister erin the firstborn um moved to the uk about 12 or so years ago and uh, it's culminated in her uh, running an online business she got a master's degree in international finance and was almost accepted to a PhD program but actually just decided to launch off on her own so she's got her own business now and it's called Lux England Limited L-U-X-E and then england.com again I'm not her manager I just act like it (laughs) Uh, and so uh, we're quite proud of the fact for her for many reasons but uh, most recent uh, business accomplishment was she got the Queen's Award award for enterprise 2021 so simply what that is the queen of england gives awards out each year for successful businesses and her online business she sells sells, you know grooming and makeup uh, products she got the award so she went went to windsor castle uh, Prince Charles was there, and Camilla was there. And was what about
1: King, what about King Schofield? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the probably Schofield so,
0: somewhere around there. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so th- that was quite a culmination. Yeah. I'd
1: say so. let so. not many people get to say they were uh, got to to go there and visit uh, royalty, right?
0: Yeah, and so she's in the process of moving to Miami. Uh, she's still going to run her business out of UK but, but they're, they're doing a lot of business in uh, America now so she's, she's uh, doing that so I've been a lucky guy on many fronts Scott a lucky guy on many fronts
1: well as they say luck follows skill right Digger
0: <laughs> I'm on my best days yes
1: <laughs> <laughs> before we wrap up you know you got to see a lot of great players yep. growing up in the South Bay there and then in college so Let's um, start out with maybe uh, best hitters that you you saw run off a handful of them, whether it be on the beach or indoors, whatever you want to yeah. share.
0: Yeah, well, uh, and you know that uh, volleyball people who will be listening to this know also that they're sort of, okay, who are the greatest players ever? Well, you, you got to talk, and I think it was Lang that was saying, you got to talk eras because, uh, you know, all of my coaching was pre rally scoring both indoor and outdoor. So we're not doing rally scoring. So when I said that, you know, I was lucky enough to take a game off uh, gauge and Zulik, I was two out of three to 11 and it was side out ball. So uh, a buddy of mine who I talk, I, I think it was King. I mean, he watched the match and he said, it was a pound out. You know, it was just like pound, side out, pound, side out. And so it's, it's a different era. So, you know, we got to keep that in mind. And also you, you, you couldn't block over, you know, uh, so it's, it's different. But with that said, my era, I, and I say, you know, uh, early 70s, from 70 to 75-ish, uh, well, of course, Henry Burden. Oh, my gosh. I mean, what a hitter. But um, I thought also of somebody that maybe people haven't mentioned, Kirk Kilgore. Oh, my gosh. He was unbelievable left-handed, you know, and uh, had an untimely, uh, you know, death. But uh, he was really a powerful. He came from Marcosas as well. Um, and I remember him playing in the 1974 Manhattan Open. And he played with another pounder, Doug Gunlap. And people from that era were probably, oh, yeah, <laughs> I remember now. I mean, what a team. You know, the challenge there was who's going to set, but both those guys, who cares, just throw it up, and they are, you know, going to uh, end up pounding, and they got third in the Manhattan Open, Kirk Kilgore uh, and Dunlap. I think that, was that Uh,
1: maybe the 73 Manhattan Beach Open, I think, maybe?
0: Maybe, uh, Because I
1: think they lost a tight, tough one to Zulich and uh, Bobby Jackson. But, um, yeah, okay. Um, right. But, yeah, but I heard that, yeah, those two, when uh, Dunlap unloaded on a ball too, it looked like an aspirin coming at you and hit you, right? <laughs> That's what Fred said. And then next thing you know, you were like dazed. It was like a hard, flat ball that just crushed you, and Kilgore was a – he just had the perfect build and could really get up and with that lefty whip ba-boom
0: yeah and uh you know of course you know so, so when you say when you say best hitter i you know i have to do like a, a top five or top six and in that would be rundle of course uh oh my gosh uh you know hit just rockets and angles and you know could jump and then of course a uh, valley was almost unstoppable and uh, same with keith erickson and then uh, of course chamalis you know he got great hitters and when i think about this also you know i think about yes hitting is really important but yeah then i think of the Malpas and the gonzalez that didn't crush the ball but were tremendous offensive players You can be a hitter, which is one part of being an offensive player, Mm -hmm. but uh, it's ball control, it's hitting the offsets, it's cut shots, it's to use the old term, use the big shot, okay? Uh, All of those um, are a part of being a successful volleyball player. If you you just hit, I think so many of your good players will, will say the same thing, except for these guys. I mean, if you're just hitting every single time, it's almost like, well, thank you we know how to line up our defense. I and mean, I'm sure Lang would say that too. Thank you. you know, <laughs> yeah. Because eventually I'm I'm going to end up getting this. Uh, and it's interesting because I was reading uh, a book about, uh, called The Story of the Human Body and uh, talking about the fact that how do baseball players hit a 100-mile-an-hour ball that they can't see? And it makes me think of volleyball as well. And his suggestion is, well, it's because you do it so many times that you just know where it's going to you're not actually seeing it you just kind of know where it's going to go and it made made me think of the malpies and the langs of the world that uh, how do you dig these rocket balls well because you've been there so many times and you know their approach you know their arm swing and you just narrow it down and i can put my body in that position
1: yeah yeah i know lang watched the hitters during warm-ups and and he yeah. go okay this is where they're going to hit and he just sometimes it's simple things like that doesn't mean you're going to dig it but you, you're you in the right vicinity you know
0: yeah yeah so uh, and then setters you know again in my era you know I, I, I lean towards uh, the Malpic Gonzales world I mean you know, Mitch was a tremendous setter, and of course, Lang was you know one of the best setters as well, and that's why he was so successful. You know, he could do it all—he could pass, he could hit, he could set—and he had an attitude that uh, you know would take him to areas that uh, other other people could never go. Um, and then, as far as diggers, you know, again, now being Lang that I just talk about, and Gonzalez—I mean, you know—and again. Uh, The the one particular one—I mean, I don't have one particular one that that stands out—but those, when people say hitters, setters, and diggers, those are what come to mind uh, for me.
1: Nice. That's a that's a pretty good group right there.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, it was my pleasure to play against them and feel like uh, I could be competitive with them.
1: Yeah, it's a, quite a storied career you've had there, speaking of which, Digger, um, looking back on your career as a player and as a coach, um, in the, the clinics that you did there in Mission Beach, um, high school coaching, college, etc., what, um, what are your fondest memories, um, what are you most proud of, and then uh, how would you like to be remembered in history of this game that's give, given you so much?
0: Yeah, well, and it's interesting because, you know, you can talk about accolades and trophies and winning and all those kinds of things, and and probably one of the things I'm most proud of from my beach career uh, is after Marshall and I got second at the state beach open um, <clears throat> against Von Hagen and Clem, and I ended up cramping. and I remember riding home in the car, and, <laughs> and they wouldn't stop, but, you know. But that's that idea of we're not doing rally scoring. This is a pound out. And for us to kind of go through the loose bracket and finally get there, yeah. We had to spend many hours uh, to the point that I ended up cramping. But then uh, we're walking up the parking lot, you go some stairs I think, and go in the parking lot and I bumped into Devon Hagen. And he said something to the effect, he said, hey, Dig, you're one of the toughest guys I always play. And to this day, that's more important than anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's so, a compliment from Von Hagen.
0: Yes, exactly, yeah. you know, He's, he's probably said that to a lot of people because a <laughs> lot of people <laughs> played really hard against him. You know? So he's probably going, why did everybody play so hard against me? Uh, because uh, of the respect uh, that we had for him. And then uh, as far as, uh, yeah, I do take pride in the fact that uh, we – took advantage of things uh, that were happening in 73 and started those volleyball clinics and the Winston open and all those kinds of things. But, but really, uh, probably when it's all said and done, uh, the thing that I you know, focus on the most is I, I've had a, a full life and uh, volleyball has been a very, very much, uh, integral part of it, uh, that helped me kind of spin off to other things that were successful, both my teaching and my consulting work and, uh, and those kinds of things. So um, I just feel that uh, i am got tons of gratitude and appreciation uh, and thankfulness for how my life has turned out and how it's continuing to unfold. And I really appreciate you being interested in this and, and realizing that, uh, yeah, it's not always about the trophies. Uh, it can be about the people you've met, and I've had wonderful relationships with people through volleyball, and I hope they continue.
1: Well, you certainly got that trophy wife thanks to Fred Featherstone. (laughs) I know Fred, when Fred listens to this, he'll he'll be down in Cabo and just got done surfing his brains out and giving himself a tap on the shoulder, right? Like, yeah, Yeah.
0: did it again for the
1: digger. So, um, yeah, I want to thank Todd Maddox too. Uh, he reached out to me and, um, gave me some background on, on you to help with the interview today. And he's a good guy. I, uh, I like him a lot. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, great guy, great coach,
0: close
1: friend. Yeah. Yeah. So, and plus he got you doing those three contact drills. So let's, uh, I
0: know let's,
1: there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, dig. Get off
0: that stand. Quit hitting balls at it. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. Well, Digger, this was outstanding. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. And um, I look forward to seeing you at the CBVA Hall of Fame, maybe here again sometime, uh, hopefully with COVID being passed, maybe next year, like I did in 2019. So I won't be uh, as starstruck this time. around. <laughs> with everyone there my head was on a <laughs> swivel, this time I might be able to like actually enjoy myself or to come up and talk to people. So maybe we yeah. will see the rabbit there like you brought him last time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll look forward to that.
1: Okay, pal. You enjoy your day. Uh, Have fun on the golf course. We'll talk soon, pal. Thanks. Bye-bye. This wraps up our third and final part of our interview with Digger Graybill. Got to say, I really enjoyed interviewing him. What a great guy. Uh, Had a lot of fun in the sport, did a lot of great things in it as well, from coaching to playing, um, and now with his uh, Socratic seminars. It's an honor to know you, Oscar Digger Graybill. Before I let you go, for those of you who haven't visited it yet, please check out our website, which is dedicated to commemorating the history of this amazing sport. And the website is godstoghosts.com. Thanks for listening. Talk soon. Enjoy a little bit more of Kevin Graybill on the outro here.
0: Stop counting cornstarch, counting hugs We don't need more money, but we need more love How much do you make, I make someone smile The cash is gonna fade But love lasts a while, love lasts a while Love lasts a while But we always seem to forget, we always seem to forget we always seem to forget, nah, nah, let's forget, let's, let's forget less, yeah, let's forget less, uh uh-huh. let's forget less, yeah, let's forget less.